You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi folks, welcome to another podcast episode on Sunday 19th of September 2021. I'm your host Luke Hector and again, thank you for joining me. A bit of a full week, I must admit. I have not had a lot of rest this week since coming back from the parents last weekend, which was a good little reset. In a good way and a bad way, work has really been like, you know, it's been stressful, but I've also had a lot of evening activities to fill up the time. Next week should hopefully be a bit less cluttered, so I should be able to carry on with more stuff. Although, at least with the channel, things are still progressing quite smoothly with that. The Top 100 latest segment, 70 to 61, was released on Friday night. It's already, like, going insane with the views for what my typical videos do anyway. And, you know, subscribers are climbing and people's comments are coming in with very nice words to say about the Top 100 in general, to engage with me, to, you know, talk about what games they like, what they didn't like, you know, just to say hi, you know, I'm really happy to see these comments, and like I say, I will respond to them, don't worry, (laughs) it may not be an instant response, it really does depend on when you catch me browsing the channel, like, if you catch me browsing the channel and I've got two minutes, I'll probably respond to some comments instantly, which is why some of you get some very quick responses, and other times I might not have checked it for the rest of the day, and it's like, oh yeah, I better catch up with some of these comments, and then I'll do a big blitz through and do it, so, uh, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do, not quite to the same lengths as others, um, in terms of answering every single comment on the planet, but and certainly for old videos, the problem is I can't get them off my dashboard and I can't respond to every single old comment video, but you know, from like three years ago. But you know, I'm making a push to respond to comments because obviously I want you to comment on the video and I want to respond to them as well because I appreciate you doing so. Uh, in terms of health in general. Uh, I did a Q&A the other week, uh, was it? I did it on Tuesday actually, yes, <laughs> God blimey, time doesn't seem to have flown yet, and on that Q&A I said that my health was in a little bit of a, shall we say, problem state, and well, who's disliking, three people dislike a Q&A where I talk about my health, seriously, what is the deal with that, but the... The idea with the my health is that uh, the stress has been quite high from a combination of work and you know getting, keeping up with the blog, the top 100, and people just being somewhat picky on Twitter. And I decided that to try and mitigate my health because I'm also suffering from acid reflux issues, which I have done for several years now. But recently, in the last few months, it's gotten worse. The attacks are a lot more frequent, and a lot of the times, I'll just wake up, my throat's on fire. But I'm getting a, oh, what do you call it, a gastroscopy done in a few weeks, three weeks time, uh, where they got to stick the camera down my throat while I'm sedated. So, you know, they've got to do the whole check and see what damage has been done down there, probably prescribe some antacid medication for life or something, but we'll see. We'll see what they say. I have no idea. But one way or another, it needed to get treated. And one cause of that can be food, it can be drink, but I don't drink very much. I do have a lot of tea and coffee, and I know coffee can trigger it, and I do like mint tea. 
but those are only ad hoc, and even then, I found that the attacks just end up being random sometimes. I used to think it was just uh, sugary stuff, so alcohol and binge eating at conventions usually caused it. But it was just coming more and more frequent, and we sort of deduced that stress is a big impactor. You know, stress can cause your acid refluxes, it lowers your immune system, it keeps, you know, it causes all sorts of havoc within your system. And essentially, I you know, thought, well, you know, I need to keep the stress levels down. I've always contemplated doing meditation, but I don't know if I'd have the time or the patience to sit down for 15, 20 minutes and do nothing but go om or whatever meditation does. I, I mean, like I say, I'm no expert on it, but uh, I've contemplated it. But mainly, I just thought, well, what can I do to try and mitigate the stress? And obviously work, I can only do so much about that. But light is at the end of the tunnel. We are getting more people in sooner or later in a few months time. Uh, like things will be more spread out. We'll have a full team. I won't feel like I got to do 100 jobs by myself and won't be too bad. And to be honest, recently I did get over a big project. At least I've put it away for a bit, which was causing me stress. So it's like, you know, maybe things won't be so bad for the next month. But... I do need to find other ways. And so I thought, well, what about the blog? Well, there's a couple of things I'm going to introduce. And just to go over them quickly. Firstly, Blitz reviews, I'm going to do my... If I have to do them solo, fine. But for the most part, I think Blitz reviews are going to be a mix of two things. Firstly, I'm going to start doing some reviews on the podcast because uh, people quite like the Cabbage Head review I did before. And I think that some games that are pretty small, won't get many views if I do them solo, could probably just stand to go on the podcast because then people will still hear about them. But it saves me time. Uh, the other thing is that I think a lot of other Blitz reviews will probably be done as compilations like I tried before. Yes, it's not the best uh, for publishers. Yes, it's not necessarily the best for views. But it's also a lot easier to do a one video where I cover four separate games than it is to do a video for each separate game. So I'm probably going to be starting to do that. In fact, I mean, I've got uh, quite a few reviews I need to do in Blitz format in the near future. And I figured, yeah, you know what? This probably would be best. I can cover more ground, especially with Essen ne next month. You know, I'm going to have a lot to review after that. And I'm going to need some way to keep up with it because I can't do a detail review for every single game. You know, I'm already going to have to do one for Descent, which is currently underneath my uh, tabletops at the moment. I've been playing it solo last night. And I'm going to play some more today if I get time. But yeah, you know, I got a detailed review of that to come because I didn't think I was going to review Descent. I, in fact, actually, I'll get onto this a bit later because I'm going to talk about it in my What I've Played segment. But the other thing I'm doing for stress is I'm receding away from Twitter. Twitter, for me, has just become far too toxic for my liking. It's just nothing but arguments, nothing but controversies, nothing but people just hating on each other, witch hunts. You name it, Twitter has got it all. Now, Twitter is not useless for me, though. This is the thing. I need Twitter because there are some people I engage with on Twitter in a good way, and the publishers go on Twitter and they will retweet stuff and my content. So I need to get on Twitter. But what, instead of browsing it and using it as a major tool, I'm now using it as a lesser tool. So Facebook I'll still use because the Facebook groups are still pretty good and it's pretty easy to spot the conversations you need to stay away from if you want to avoid toxicity. But uh, I'm also going to try and focus more on Instagram. Now, I am not a best photographer. I don't know the best way to use Instagram. I've tried the hashtags. I've tried all sorts. And yet, after a thousand plus posts, I've barely got a thousand plus followers, which some people can literally have 5,000 followers by posting 50 pictures. I don't get how Instagram works and how this thing does. But one thing I will say about Instagram is that it's nicer to browse pretty pictures. 
And also, there are some people on YouTube that I like, like Board Game Perspective and that, who don't have a big YouTube presence, but they got a fantastic Instagram presence. So it's a good way to engage with them. But also, the community is just nicer on Instagram. People are just more friendly. People are talking about games. They're not talking about controversies. They're not talking about dramas. They're just talking about games, why they like them, maybe a bit of personal stuff. You get photos with themselves in it. Like I want to try and do more photos where I'm actually in the picture because I know that does better on Instagram than just a picture of a game. But people are just nice. So I'm trying to engage more with people on Instagram, you know, respond to comments, comment on other people's stuff, you know, like really take Instagram to another level. And so far it's really helped actually because now all I do with Twitter is I basically go on like this and I, you know, I just basically go, Scroll, notifications, none, put it down. I don't even scroll the feed anymore. You know, if I see one or two things like in the top uh, bit of the Twitter page, then I might give them a browse, particularly if it's a couple of people who are frequently talking on Twitter and I'm friends with. So it's like, all right, fine, I'll respond to that. But for the most part, it's literally just sharing my content and sharing other people's content. So, you know, I shared my top 100 one here. In fact, I'd better pin that to the top of my profile. So that's... Uh, near there but then I also you know gave one little health thing there and I responded to a couple of friends uh, posts but then I also shared a one pit wonders uh, video where she talks about uh, setting up the game for beginners for spirit island and so that's essentially and like live stream announcements so it's, it's very niche things I'm using twitter for now but I'm using it more as a way to get exposure than actually full-on engagement. That's not to say I'm going to leave Twitter entirely. Like I say, I need to get in touch with publishers. I need to share, support small creators on there. I need to share my own content. But by not browsing the feed and not getting drawn into these massive dramas and all finding all these posts where everybody is just literally moaning, it's nice to be able to just like, ah, it feels nicer. It's less thing off my mind. I, you know, keeping up with three platforms is hard enough as it is. Keeping up with two is a lot easier and even then Facebook is only every now and again so it's mainly Instagram but it is you know it is helping me on a stress front so you know we'll see how that goes yeah I'm trying it for a while we'll see if it keeps up but yeah at this rate yeah it is nice to take a break from Twitter every now and again All right where's my chosen tea for the day chamomile with honey known as it tastes good it relaxes and it's also good for acid reflux so that's good because I like my chamomile tea all right, so what have I played? Well, I mentioned Descent. So let's quickly go on to Descent Legends of the Dark. Yes, I am playing that at the moment. I've already played it several times beforehand. I played it uh, demoed at the UK Games Expo, and then I've played a few games in a multiplayer just to fill in for someone. But I'm playing for a solo campaign now, so just me controlling two heroes at a time going through solo. And so far, enjoying it, but the game is not without its problems. And it's certainly not like the best thing since I spread like I'm seeing some reviews do. There are good things to say about it, definitely. And I am enjoying my time with it. But there are some irritations that can be a pain. Although I will admit that some of those irritations are more brought on by the technology I was using. I was using a Google Pixel C tablet to run the app. And it just constantly overheated and crashed and ended up with bugs. It was so horrible. I could not, I had to literally replay the first scenario in speed mode in order to like put it on my phone because I couldn't transfer the save. But yeah, do not play this on a tablet if you think the tablet's going to overheat with the app. And it shouldn't do. 
The app's not that demanding, but Google Pixel C is just apparently a rubbish tablet. But now I've had to put it on my phone. Now I can play it on my phone because my phone is quite a big screen, but it's still like I still have to squint a little bit to read some of the text, which is a bit irritating, but there's nothing else I can do. I mean, I either buy a new tablet, which costs money, you know, I've only got so much money, uh, but the... And also, I don't know which tablet to get. Probably a Samsung one, actually, because, I mean, the Samsung phone does me good, so maybe a Samsung tablet would be better. But the idea is is that, uh, you know, as big as the screen is, I don't think this is the way you should play Legends of the Dark. Uh, I reckon you should always get a tablet. Although I might see if I can link it to my TV on the wall, actually, because my other tablet did, and it's just a Chromecast. There's no reason why this couldn't. So if I can link my phone to that TV, that might be a better option. I have to think about that, but... Uh, Certainly, I recommend the tablet. But yeah, I'm enjoying my time with it. It's good fun. Two heroes, not difficult to manage solo. I could probably have done three heroes, but I'm just going to stick with two because that's the recommended in the book. And it's just quicker to play the game. And uh, who am I mainly using? I'm mainly using a Varix, whatever his name is, the dragon hybrid, because I think he's a bit overpowered. <laughs> I think he's like insanely good at killing stuff. But I'm also, I was playing Galadin, the elf. But I've switched from him to one of the new characters that I've not tried. You you get a couple of new characters come in, and uh, it's not really a spoiler. They appear literally after the tutorial mission, but you can chop and change between them. And I'm playing uh, the dwarf uh, tinkerer, uh, the sort of the mechanist, and she's all right. I I think she's a little weak as a character, but she does have some interesting uh, skill sets. And having her in a group does mean that you get stuff made for you every now and again, which is quite cool. So I'm trying to see what she's like. So, you know, combining those two, it makes me mostly a melee build, pretty high damage build, pretty tanky build, actually, because they have got good defense values. But it does mean I suck a little bit at range and I'm not the best when it comes to magic stuff. So like I say, there's pros and cons. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I will do a full detail review on this once I've gone through more of the campaign. I'm not going to play through the whole campaign before I do the review for two reasons. One, I don't need to, frankly, let's face it. I, you know, if you're not enjoying the game after half a campaign, you're not going to enjoy the whole campaign. So what difference does it make? And also, I'm a bit late to the party. I didn't expect to get a copy of this. Uh, I wasn't prepared to pay the money for it because I thought it wasn't worth the cost. And then Asmodee got hold of me literally like about a week or two ago, if that, and said, oh, we, we said we didn't have one before, but all of a sudden we've now actually just got one spare. You know, do you want it? Because you had interest in it. And it's like, fantastic. So they've sent me it. Thank you to Asmodee UK for helping keeping this channel going with review content. And now I'm playing it. So, and after I have to factor in the fact that I was uh, given a review copy when it comes to talking about the cost of this game, because it's definitely a hot topic. But yeah, you'll get a detailed review for that in the future. I just don't know when. Yes, I'm late to the party. I know lots of other review channels have already put out Descent reviews. But if you're waiting to hear what I have to say about it, then it's coming. It's coming. Okay, uh, another quickie uh, before we go on to the main one I played. Uh, the Fox in the Forest. I have already talked about how much I like the Fox in the Forest duet. It's a very charming little co-op trick-taking game. Well, this is the one that came before it. It's the two-player competitive trick-taking game. Uh, borrowed it off a friend. Uh, we, we taught it to me at uh, club night um, and you know, we played it. I, it's very similar to how the co-op one works in a sense, you know, you've got, you know, free suits and the odd numbers have got special abilities and, you know, you're trying to win tricks, except obviously you're not working together. But the thing I like about this one 
is the scoring system in this. You're playing basically 13 tricks in the whole round, but the points you get depend on how many tricks you win. And if you win only three or less tricks, you're humble and you get loads of points. If you win seven or more tricks, you're really, really good and victorious and you get a lot of points as well. But your point value decreases quite a lot if you only get four, five, or six tricks. So you're somewhere in the middle. And if you get too greedy and go 10 or more tricks, you actually get zero points. So you have to balance yourself between doing losing a lot of tricks to winning a decent amount of tricks. It's a really cool scoring system and it makes this game. Without that scoring system, I don't think this would really do much. But I've played it and I think it's solid, uh, so much so that I've even bought a copy. Um, it's in the post, Satu was ending it out, and I'm gonna have both in my collection. I think these two are some of the best examples of trick-taking games out there, uh, alongside The Crew, which is another favorite I have. Um, you know, I've played these after I did my top 100, so uh, they're not gonna feature in there. But honestly, next year we could see one of these Fox in the Forest, or maybe even both, I might just do them as the same number, appear in the top 100, depending, because I really like these two games. They're just simple, they're charming, but they're fun, and they still require you to put in some thinking thought. They're not just autopilot. So, uh, yeah, really glad that I've got these two in my collection now, the Fox in the Forest, both of them. Which one do I prefer? That's a hard one. I think overall, I slightly prefer the co-op one because I like the idea of getting into your friend's mindset and trying to communicate with limited communication what it is I need them to do. So I think the co-op one I like slightly more, but it is slightly. I mean, you could, whether you want to play co-op or competitive, I will pull out either of these two. I don't mind. Oh yeah, keep that chamomile tea coming. Alrighty, what's next on the playlist? Here's the big one. Well, I say big, the bigger game. Uh, Pandemain, traditional farmer's bread. And most of you are probably thinking, what on earth are you talking about? Well, to be fair, I wanted, I said the same thing to my friend when he actually got the game. Uh, Pandemain was a Kickstarter. Uh, forget who made it. Let's have a look on the main page. Pandemain. No, not Pandemonium. And trust me, I have spelt that wrong many a time. Uh, it's not ranked very highly. Only 7,500 on Board Game Geek. Uh, it's done by Amphora Games and one to four players. And it's basically a beige euro. <laughs> it is essentially a beige euro. But it's all about a worker placement bread making game. So you have a small bakery business uh, somewhere in Europe during the Middle Ages. You buy ingredients, you get flour, you put them in the oven, bake your bread, various types of bread that are different levels of uh, like rarity or points in that. And you sell it to like the feudal lord or you sell it to uh, like various different villages for points and money and reputation and stuff it's a very it's a very like traditional style euro well a friend of mine got it and i was thought you know what i'm always willing to try new games and i just had to laugh at the theme of this one you know the fact that it's really taking the fact that it's a beige euro and just running with it i mean the, the game as you can see is actually not too bad on the beige front it's actually got some more color in this photo but it is very much like, oh, whatever, you're doing this for victory points and stuff. It's like, you're not really getting suckered into the theme that much. But I played it, and we did get a rule wrong. We got a rule catastrophically wrong, because they'd only played it once, and it had been 18 months since they last played it online before their Kickstarter arrived. So we got a rule wrong where you do these nighttime actions, and we thought you could do as many nighttime actions as you could afford. Uh, no, you can only do one nighttime action. And believe me, the game would be a lot more tighter if we were playing that correctly. But there's not a lot of pictures online for this, so I guess we'll just go back to uh, the big giant one there. 
But yeah, if we hadn't, that didn't like get in the way of my enjoyment of the game. You know, the fact that we played it wrong. In fact, I think it would be slightly better when we do play it right. But the game is fine. I didn't mind it. You know, you've got some, you've got some tightness for the spaces. Money's quite tight at the start of the game, but once you've sold a couple of pieces of the bread, money doesn't seem to be that big a problem. You've got a church track because every middle-aged game has to have a church in there somewhere. Seriously, can we not like, you know? <laughs> Can we not, like, get a little bit more inventive with our themes when it comes to the Middle Ages? I mean, Alma Mater actually came close to doing that with the university theme, but even that has a bishop in it. So it's like, seriously, do we have to put a church track in every euro? But, you know, it's not that, not, not that I'm anti-religion, I'm an atheist, but it's, it's just like, seriously, I would just like a more enjoyable theme. But, because it usually just devolves to a track at the end of the day, it's not even a thematic thing. But yeah, you collect wheat tokens and you put them in for bread. And if you make good bread, you get more reputation. If you make rubbish bread, your reputation goes down, but you still get the money in the VP. So it's basically another track. You've got some characters that you can grab and get you little bonuses, but they're not particularly interesting bonuses. It's more like, oh, you get a discount on this type of bread or this type of bread makes you an extra victory point. Nothing particularly great, but you've got to plan ahead for the villages and their demands because one round they want this type of bread, the next round they want another type of bread, and you know it's coming, so you prepare for it. It's fine. I mean, even though we got a rule wrong, I still got a gist of what the game was like, and it's okay. You know, I gave it a 6 out of 10 after a first game, I don't think it's anything amazing. I mean, rank 7,500 is probably a little bit harsh. I think it could stand to be a bit higher than that. But as in, you know, better in the rankings. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It exists. I, I'll play it again when we get a chance to so that we can try the rules properly. But I'm not going to seek it out. It's not one that I'm going to try and get. And I very much doubt most people have even heard of this game, let alone got a copy of it and that. So yeah, it does the job. Just nothing particularly special, really. It's another Euro game, to put it frank. Okay, uh, so let's get on to some news there. Some news. And blimey, there's been some news lately. Uh, let's go on to the simple stuff. Firstly, Azul. Yes, we got another Azul coming. It's called Queen's Garden. There's not a huge amount I know about this, but you're creating perfect garden patterns for ex-king who you don't give a monkeys about because this game has no theme. It's an abstract. I mean, look what it says here. Like, Welcome back to the Palace of Sindra. King Manuel I has commissioned the best garden designers of Portugal to construct the most extraordinary garden for his wife, Queen Maria of Aragon. How much of that do you not give a monkey's rap about? It's like, seriously, that, why are you even trying to inject a theme in this game? There is no theme in Azul. Accept that, all right? Just accept it. But essentially, it looks like the same sort of deal. You draft the tiles and you put the colorful tiles on your garden and decorate it in a way to get victory points. Now, apparently, there is some difference with the, the way that you uh, draft uh, it looks like you actually have like stacks of the landscape tiles with the with the colorful bits on it that you draft rather than just drafting from a lot of different tiles with loads of tiles on them and by the looks of it you just stick them in your garden they've all got symbology probably to distinguish the colors but there's probably there's a little bit in the middle which reminds me of the third azul where you can get like commute like those communal tiles that you can get by exchanging i mean it looks nice i like the color green with it i think the the aesthetics are a bit better than in previous Azul's, but it's another Azul game. I mean, I'm fine with the original. In fact, I sold the original. I, I got bored with it. It played out pretty much the same every game. There was always the same type of tactics that I went for, and they usually worked. And it's too 
chaotic and lucky when you get to three or four player. It's much better as a two player. So, I mean, Azul is a good game. I do recommend it to people, but I just didn't, I didn't like the stained glass of Syndra because that just took the luck factor and ramped it up to 12. Summer Pavilion was okay, but the game just goes on too long. You know, the Azul should be a nice quick game and Azul pretty much doubles the length. And Queen's Garden, I'll play it. I'll try it. It'd probably be at Essen, so I'll give it a try, but I'm not really expecting much from this. But maybe it could surprise me. But if you're an Azul fan, then, oh well, you got another Azul coming because they're going to milk this for all it's worth. But this one I'm a little bit more interested in. Seven Wonders Architects. Yes, Antoine Balzer and Repost Production are doing a spin-off Seven Wonders game. So we've already got Seven Wonders, and then you had the spin-off Seven Wonders Duel, which was kind of a similar deal, but, you know, it's still kept within that theme. Now we've got another spin-off called Seven Wonders Architects, which can do two to seven players. Although, who wants to bet that the two player is going to suck in this, just like the original one? But 25-minute playing time, so it's going to be a quickie. And all you're basically doing is you get an unconstructed wonder and you must collect resources to build the society, develop the military, oversee resource management, research science, and get to and build the wonder. That sounds exactly like the original game. So I'm curious as to what exactly is new here, but in terms of like what you're actually doing. But like I say, it does look interesting from the pictures. And honestly, to be honest, Antoine Balzer has a you know good reputation for a reason. And the Seven Wonders games have produced some, you know, Seven Wonders is one of my favorite games of all time. So is Seven Wonders Duel. I am more than happy to see another game in the Seven Wonders line and see how it works. It, you know, it looks like it's got similar iconography. I like the idea that your wonder is like behind some weird scaffolding by the looks of it. It's kind of interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely up for in fact, this actually looks really cool. It looks like you get like these tiles with like a scaffolding for the wonder and then you flip them over and you get the reward and then it actually looks like the wonder you're creating. That looks really cool, actually. I wonder how big this box is going to be at this rate, though. Um, it looks like a biggish box, although I like the idea that you've got these little boxes for your individual wonder. So, yeah, we'll see. I guarantee you if this is at Essen, I'm going to make a beeline for this one and get playing it because I'm very intrigued to see what this will be like. But yeah, if you like Seven Wonders, there's more stuff in the near future. Oh, trying to keep my uh, throat under control with my chamomile tea. All right, let's get on the big stuff when it comes to news, though. Fantasy Flight did an in-flight report as part of Gen Con, and I'm not going to go through all this in mass detail because there's a lot here, but I'm just going to give you some initial thoughts as to what they did. Uh, let's see... We made a great deal with Descent. Yeah, I get it. All right, whatever. But they have mentioned that there is an expansion called Ghosts of Greyhaven coming for the Descent Legends in the Dark. And it's going to be a side story art that you can either incorporate into your Act 1 campaign or play as a standalone adventure. But you'll need the original components to do that. Oh, well, cool. More content is good. And I was actually kind of debating to myself what I would need to do with my big box of Descent because one thing I'm a little bit concerned with is once I've played this solo campaign I don't think there's going to be a reason for me to play the game ever again except for this Ghost of Greyhaven content so if I'm waiting for Act 2 which is still a long time away do I need to keep Act 1 in my collection so that I can play Act 2 or will Act 2 be a standalone set that's one I'm a little bit concerned about, and I would like Fantasy Flight to answer that soon because I don't want this giant box taking up space on my shelf if it's just going to be a giant paperweight after Ghosts of Greyhaven. But more content's on the way, so if you've already gone through the campaign, well, then be patient. More stuff's coming. Uh, Keyforge. I don't really do anything with Keyforge, but it looks like there's basically another starter set uh, for Keyforge. Um, 
I heard it was kind of like not doing as well these days, but maybe I'm wrong. But I've stopped playing Keyforge. I mean, it was a two-player game. I like the design. I think it's fine, but it's just not for me. I kind of got bored with it. Uh, Arkham Heart, a card game, has another scenario pack coming out, Machinations Through Time. This is going to be another standalone scenario that you could play in epic multiplayer mode if you want. Uh, in fact, does it even have two? Nope, nope, it's just the one scenario. But it's basically a Gen Con scenario release, similar to like the Blob that Ate Everything and War of the Outer Gods, which I've still not played. In fact, do I even have a copy of War of the Outer Gods? I'm not sure I do. The only thing is, can I play that solo or do I need a massive group for that? Because I don't want to get it if it's not soloable. But can someone let me know in the comments on that one, actually? But yeah, you know, another another scenario pack. Uh, not till the first quarter of 2022. But, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to play this if it was a big group game at a convention. Now, you remember the uh, Arkham Horror, what they were doing with it, where they were putting the campaign cards and the investigator cards in separate boxes now? Well, on that note, I've got the Edge of the Earth one over there for the newest campaign, uh, the Investigator cards, which I need to do a Blitz review on, which will probably be in a compilation because it's only so much you can really review from a collection of extra cards. I can't tell you how powerful they are. I can just tell you what you get in the box and what I think of the system. Well, spoiler alert, the system's really cool. I like this new way of doing things. And they are repackaging the Dunwich Legacy Cycle in a similar fashion. So all the player cards will be in one box and all the campaign cards will be in another box. So they're going to do this for all their expansions at this rate. And I think this is a great idea because all the, the same thing that happens with all these LCGs is that, you know, you get the scenario packs, those little plastic things, which is just a waste of packaging. It's not good for environment, that's for certain. And it's just a hassle trying to get hold of them because they sell out and go out of stock and then you're bummed because you can't get the one pack in the middle of your scenario that you're trying to do. And it's a pain. So now repackaging it like this allows them to make little tweaks to the system, but also allows people who are new to the game to just go, you know what? Boom, one big box or two boxes in this case and get everything they need. Maybe they don't care about the campaign. Maybe they're happy just to play one or two campaigns and that's it. In which case, you just get the investigator cards. You know, you can choose to do what you like. But yeah, first quarter of next year, you'll get the Dunwich Legacy in a nice, easy-to-find box. And eventually, they'll do the same for the rest. I'm surprised it's taking so long, though. I mean, all you literally have to do is take the cards and stick them in a new box. Really? I mean, unless you're making any major changes to the game... I don't see why it would take so long to put this together. On the subject of revised boxes, Lord of the Rings The Card Game, one of my other favourite LCGs, has, I haven't played it in ages though, is getting a revised core set. Basically, a not a second edition of the game, just a revised core set. So you can support four players right out of the gate. Uh, there's some new campaign cards, boons and burdens that have not existed before. However, apparently you can print these off the website as print and play if you don't want to buy the whole set again. I think that's still a bit dodgy because, you know, I don't want to play my card game with printed images shared with normal images. That would just irk me. So I find myself being forced to get this again, which seems a little bit harsh. But I don't know. Maybe I can get a review copy of this so that I can review the game at, as a whole. Maybe I can do a review on it if I get the core set as a review copy. And then I can tell you how good this starter set is compared to the trash that was the original starter set. But... You know, yep, I think it's good that it's getting a re-release. It'll get a new market. Although, if they're doing this revised core set for a game that's no longer getting any more expansions, what are they doing for the rest of the set? I mean, to be honest, I would be keen if they did this Arkham Horror thing with Lord of the Rings. 
if they repackaged all the old cycles in these boxes so you could get the player cards and the scenario cards in separate boxes, if they did that for Lord of the Rings the card game, I think that'd be pretty awesome actually. I reckon you should get on that, Fantasy Flight, if you're not already. Uh, in fact, are they planning to do that? Yeah, here we go. We also plan to re-release some, but not all, okay, that's weird, of the game cycles in the same fashion as we are for Arkham Horror LCG, with all player cards and the player expansion, all other cards in the campaign expansion. This is all to help new players get into this fantastic game as early as possible. Yes, I agree. Do this. Although, when it says not all of the cycles, that worries me a little bit. Although... That might be because they're not going to do it for the uh, movie tie-in ones, like the Black Riders. You know, you could play through the uh, trilogy movies. You could play through the Hobbit movies. Maybe they're going to avoid that one and stick more to the ones that came in scenario packs. That probably makes more sense because the other ones were all deluxe sets. So that makes... I'm, I'm cool with that. But yeah, this will be sweet. Repackage Lord of the Rings the card game and get it to more people. Maybe you could streamline the rules while you're at it. Righty. On that note, you've also got another scenario pack, uh, which will basically have two scenarios in it that you can do. Great, more content. Uh, it's been a while since I played this game, though, but time. If I, if I wasn't working, the amount of time I could spend on these LCGs would be insane. Speaking of LCGs, Vision. Vision's getting a hero pack, so you will eventually be able to play the ultimate android, who basically comes with the protection aspect and all revolves around his density manipulation mechanic. Okay. Interesting. So if he's a really durable hero, he could be a, a effective tank. Oh, well, I'm cool to see Vision in the game. And of course, uh, you've also got last one I'm going to talk about here. Marvel Champions, the next campaign expansion. I mean, they have literally only just released the Mad Titan one. I haven't even had a chance to play it yet. But they're now bringing out Sinister Motives, which is going to have Sinister Six themed stuff, which to be fair... I'm all up for because there are some classic heroes in the Sinister Six. I mean, you're going to have Sandman, Venom, Doc Ark, Mysterio, oh, Electro. I mean, these are classic Spider-Man villains. In fact, even possibly Craven the Hunter as well, which I don't know that much about. But brilliant. I think this will be fantastic. And then you'll get to play as Ghost Spider, whoever that is. I'm guessing that's going to be Gwen Stacy's one, like from Multiverse Spider-Man animated film. I can't remember. But, or maybe that's, I don't know if that's her name, or maybe it'll be a different one. But you'll be able to play as the Miles Morales version of Spider-Man. That'd be pretty sweet as a hero. You could have a two-player game, multiverse game, where you could have Miles Morales team up with Peter Parker. That'd be pretty sweet. But yeah, I mean, I want I want to play against Doc Ark and Mysterio and Venom as villains. Fantastic. This is definitely going to be probably the, the starter set I'm most excited for. And I was pretty excited for the Guardians one, but nah, this one I'm definitely on board for. Right. I think that's enough for news, otherwise this whole uh, podcast is going to be about news, because we're already up to, uh, where are we up to, 35 minutes? And I'll take another swig of tea. Although, to be fair, I don't think my topic's going to take up too much time, because I struggle to actually think of a topic, actually. There's not been a lot of uh, discussion on Facebook of anything particularly interesting. But I thought, you know what, let's do something nice and easy that's already familiar to me. Pimp my game. Yes, I do like to do certain things to pimp up my games, in other words, like bling them out, get things to improve my time playing them, that kind of thing. And I just want to talk over some stuff that I like in particular and what I, so maybe one or two things I don't like. Uh, so let's see if I can get some images for you to watch in on YouTube. But, and some of this is going to be a little bit on the advertising front because obviously I put my stock behind certain things, but... Let's talk about inserts. Yes, I do love inserts. You know, anything that can make me 
you know, get a game set up quicker, store it away nicer, I will take. And I do use various companies for, you know, I've got various uh, inserts in my collection. I've got E-Raptor, I've got Folded Space, I've got Laser Rocks, even Broken Togan, you know, you know, from old days. And, you know, it's, I've got a lot of inserts in my boxes, but mainly I have Folded Space. This is the company that I would put my stock behind. It's you know, they are cheap as chips. I mean, that may sound like a lot, 31 euros there for a Blood Rage one, but that's for Blood Rage, Mystics of Midgard, Gods of Asgard, fifth player expansion, and the promos box expansions, which I think probably needs multiple boxes to work. So that's everything that Blood Rage has ever done for 30 euros. Not bad, really, but most of their costs are really low. I mean, look at this, seven wonders dual, 10 euros. 10 euros, not even a tenner in pounds. And you can do Seven Wonders Duel nicely, with uh, possibly even with expansions. You know, you've got Seven Wonders Second Edition. I've got that one, 15 and a half euros. Uh, which other ones have I got? Uh, I've got Feast for Odin, 15 and a half euros for a giant game like that one. Seriously. Uh, what else have I got? Uh, I don't have the Anachrony one. I've got a Laser Ox one for that. But there, I've got Architects of the West Kingdom. Um, I've got an Arkham Horror Third Edition one. I've got a Baron Park one. I've got... Ooh, let's see this guy. I've got Civilization A New Dawn. Do I? Yes, I have. I have got a Civilization A New Dawn from Folded Space. Yeah, that's a really good one, actually, especially because it works with the expansion. Uh, Dinosaur Island, I think I've got that one as well. Uh, Eldritch Horror, no, because that's in the giant crate. Eminent Domain, I've got. Empires of the North, I've got. Fields of Isle, I've got. Uh, Flashpoints in a special thing. I think I've got Forbidden Stars. Uh, did have Gaia Project before I sold Gaia Project. What else have I got? Journeys in Middle-earth, I've got that one. I mean, I haven't got to past L in the alphabet yet, and I've already named a ton of them I've got. But these inserts are fantastic. They're easy to make. Yes, it's time-consuming because you've got to glue them together, but you punch them out in the order that you do them. They give you a decent guide sheet for how to put them together. Get some PVA glue, some cocktail swabs or whatever they are, the ear swabs. I like to use them to put the glue on. I think it's easier and less messy than using a paintbrush. But... You know, and then I just basically just get a blob of PVA glue on some newspaper and just dip my swab in it and just use that as the glue. I do it fairly haphazardly, uh, you know, because I don't really care if it's like smudges or things everywhere or the bits of loose glue. I'm really not that fussed about the aesthetics of the insert because it's just grey foam core at the end of the day. But, oh man, these make such a difference. And this is one of the first things I'll gun for. Uh, Tekenu, uh, Obelisk of the Sun, 22 euros. This one I have got. Uh, very simplistic layout, but it holds all the tokens nicely, uh, holds all the player pieces nicely, all the dice, all i got to do is just pull the stuff out and I can use it in the game. And that's the main thing. It's one thing to store it neatly, but I don't care if I can store it neatly if it doesn't improve the setup time. Well, that's what these inserts do. They cut the setup time like crazy, because a lot of the times you can just pull out the box and stick it near the board and you're sorted, and then you can get going and and play the game you know underwater cities is a great one for that uh war of the ring i've got that one as well uh viscounts of the west kingdom's got a nice insert oh zyre legend of a drift system i haven't played this in a while but 38 euros it's one of the more expensive ones but look at that i mean it does everything that came out of zyre it's got the expansions in it it's got the, the little promos that are in it everything fits in that box with no box lift and it's so neat and man does it take the take the setup time down to a pinch 
the setup time for Zaya is so painful normally that it almost put me off wanting to play the game ever again. It was so bad. In fact, this is one that I'd suggest you get the insert before you even set up your first game because trust me, it will make so much, so much easier. But it does everything. I can literally just pull out these boxes out of the thing and there I go, I'm good to go. It's got all the, the mods separated. It's got all the cubes separated. It's got all the ships in a box, all the standees, all the other cards, the boards. Everything is separated. So much better. But yeah, inserts, definitely one of the first things I gun for to pimp up a game. And I definitely recommend Folded Space. You can check out a couple of videos I have done on my channel on this front, actually. Uh, Folded Space. Type it in here. Oh, oh no, sorry. <laughs> The problem with this search on YouTube is that if you type enter before you actually like bring up the stuff, it ends up basically, you know, just clicking enter on the video that you were looking at. So hang on, I get folded space, let it do its thing. There we go. So yeah, I've done a few. I've done a few ones dotted over the years. So Caverner, role player and expansion, insert review. Why has that come up twice? That's odd. Did I upload it twice? kind of weird but oh well but then i did a compilation one back in april and then i've done another compilation one in july so you know where i go over a ton of them and show you how they work so by all means check out my folded space reviews you know i you know i'm not getting paid by folded space although they do send me you know occasionally like a big batch of them to assemble and talk about so you know thank you to folded space for helping to sponsor the channel like that but even if they didn't, I was buying folded space inserts long before they started doing that. So, you know, I put my stock behind, you know, credit where it's due. Right. What else do I like? Uh, metal coins. Now, metal coins, I do like, but when they're not too expensive. Um, and that's the thing. It, it can be quite expensive to get metal coins. Although sometimes not so much. I mean, the cheapest metal coins I seem to find are the ones that Garpill Games do for their ones. I mean, $18 for a set of 50 metal coins, which I know it doesn't look like much in the picture because that's the cardboard versions, but you know, the metal coins for the West Kingdoms section are pretty nice coins. They work and I just like, it's not so much the look of a metal coin, it's the ching 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 feel of having them. And I, my West Kingdom games, I think I pimped out with metal coins. Uh, I've got, where else have I got metal coins? Uh, Seven Wonders and Seven Wonders Duel, I've got metal coins. Definitely. Uh, Viticulture has got some really nice metal coins for that one with the uh, the wine, the grape symbol on them. And that is really nice. But yeah, not every game I go for metal coins. You know, some games don't justify it from a play. Like I don't play it often enough. And some games charge the ends of the earth for their metal coins. Like they've got so much detail on them that it's like, wow, I'm pretty much paying a, like a pound a coin. It's like, that's not kind of what I want to do. But I do like metal coins. They are pretty cool. And I think it's like the feel of them is just a lot better. Because usually coins are one of the things that are producing the game less good. You know, it's like, it's like one of the lower component quality bits in a game. You'll get these cool minis. You'll get these cool wooden resources. And then you'll just get some basic cardboard coins, which I'm always a bit miffed about. So some metal coins are always pretty good. And I like Garpil Games ones. But frankly, like I say, I'm, I'm just bringing them up as an example. Frankly, any metal coin will do me ready and uh, next up oh god yeah everybody talks to me about these ones now hopefully i can find it but basically i on my photos you will notice i have these things i have these muffin tins these little color rubber silicone rubber baking cups and 
basically a friend of mine had these before and I thought, oh, these are pretty cool. They're small, they're pretty, and they do the job for a, a lot of tokens. You know, you might have to use two for ones where you've got tons of them, but then you just spread them out amongst players. But these are the best, most used pin up my game thing I've ever had. I mean, I have a box up there, Amazon Basics reusable silicone baking cups. This is what I get. Now, this seems a little expensive, £8 for a pack of 12. I paid £5 for 24 before, so I wonder if I can find the proper one. Amazon Basics uh, baking cups, and we'll see what they bring out. So, because I remember only paying a fiver. And it looks like you can get like them all in different sets and they come with things, but I'm just trying to find one where they just come on their own. I mean, you can even get some weird molded ones here. So there's the little ones, and then there's like rectangular ones and square ones. You can get them for like £9. Really cheap. I can't seem to find the exact one that I had before, but honestly, as I say, just look up Amazon Basics silicone cups. And in fact, let me try silicone cups. Silicone cups. Uh, maybe the price has gone up. Maybe they just got in high demand. But I mean, I paid £5 for 24 up there. So that was like the cheapest thing ever. But frankly, £7 for £8 for a pack of 12. Big deal. I mean, honestly, you probably won't need more than 12 anyway. I mean, I got like 24 of them and that's way too much. I've never needed to use more than 12 as far as I'm aware in any game I've played. So it should be fine. But yeah, they're definitely worth it. And these get used as component trays all the time. So for a cheap cost, for prettiness, you know, just for sheer usability, I cannot recommend better than these little muffin tins. They're rubber, so they don't, you know, they can squash down if need be. They pump back into, they pop back into shape. So it's not like you'll permanently like dent them or anything. It's better than the metal uh, baking cups that I've got up there because as much as they're metal and they're cool, they're huge which means that if there's only a few components, you can't actually see the component in the tin. But in fact, actually, hang on. Ah, for those watching on YouTube, this is what they look like. So basically, big giant cup. I just got these from Asda. And, you know, they're basically, it's a uh, solid metal cup, but they're quite big. So for certain big, large components, they work well. But for a tiny amount of components, not as good. So the muffin tins are definitely better. But yeah, definitely recommend getting these. You don't need to splash out on these over-extortionate, you know, dice bowls and things. I mean, bowls are cool. <laughs> Wooden bamboo bowls are nice, but they're expensive for what is basically a tray. So get some of these. You'll be much better off, I think. Not to mention your wallet will like you for it. All right, next up, uh, E-Raptor. Now, as much as I go on about folded space, I do have to give E-Raptor some credit as well because I do have some of their... Uh, inserts however it's not really their inserts that are more uh telling people to well i mean some of their games they do have inserts for which i do recommend but it's not so much the insert it's more the overlays now runestones is a perfect example because i've got overlays for that but i've also done it for maracaibo eldritch horror and i swear one other game as well i can't remember off the top of my head in fact they might even do one for terraforming mars but these overlays are great essentially what they are are like these plastic that you have a wooden board a solid mdf board that goes on the bottom of whatever the player board is you're using and then a plastic screen with cutouts goes on top and you screw that on top of the mdf board now the holes are already cut out and the screws are literally just do it with your fingers you don't need a screwdriver or anything 
and they're rounded heads so they don't dent the player board or anything like that so it's all above board no pun intended but the idea is is that once you've screwed them in you now have a bulkier but more more sturdy player board and then your pieces can go into the various cutouts and they don't slide around all over the place terraforming mars has been doing this for donkey's years with the like annoying boards that they had a lot of fan-made ones as well but he wrapped to do some pretty sweet ones as well i mean this is the runestones one i've got on the sh on the camera here and the you know you've seen it in my various pictures i've done you might have even seen it in my review that i did for the expansions and that yep i've got this overlays and they work wonders they are really good to have just to keep your components in check i can specifically recommend uh let's see um best way would probably be to no i don't want to make a call jesus uh let's go for maracaibo i think they got maracaibo still have a look Here we go. So you can buy you can buy these overlays separately. So if you don't want the insert, I think I've got the Maracaibo insert anyway, but you can buy the uh, overlay separately. And it's not cheap. You know, you've got to buy several of them or maybe you'll just buy one so that you can have your own personal one and then just say, well, you know what? I want my own personal overlay. Screw the rest of you that are playing. But the Maracaibo one, definitely one to consider because those, those brown discs, oh, I hate those brown discs so much. They were the same in Great Western Trail. They were even more annoying in here. You know, these stupid little tiny brown discs that easily get lost, that slide around all over the place. Well, now the overlay has cut out so that you can put them in and take them out really easily. And you can even, like, put your cards on the top end of it in order to show what you got in your hand and stuff like that. It's, like, so much better to have this overlay than play it with the fiddly little tokens. But, yeah, I mean, they've got a bit of a... You know, discount on seven euros uh, for each one. So yeah, it's quite expensive to deck out your entire game with them. But maybe you just want one for yourself when you play it. So it's worth going for. I like these overlays. There's not a huge amount of them around, not a huge amount of variety. But uh, yeah, give them a consideration. Now, ooh, what else? Uh, there's two more things that I like, and then I'm going to go on to one or two things that I don't like. So very quickly, let's talk about resources. I like. I like pimping up resources for games, cubes, cubes, why does it always have to be cubes? And the biggest one that I've definitely got on my shelf up there, which I must admit I don't bring off the shelf often enough, I really should take it to the club nights more often. Problem is I can't remember what games in my collection would utilize the various resources because I've got so many of them. But the Stonemeyer treasure chests, when I got these on Kickstarter, woo-wee do they make a lot of these games better. You know, they've got loads of different versions now. I mean, the original treasure chest already did a lot, along with the food crate, because you had stone, gold, wood, iron, crystal, like ore, whatever, gems, brick for clay. Then the food one, you've got like corn bags, meat, corn, bread, coffee beans, uh, boxes that you could use as resource crates. You know, you could basically do a lot of games with just those two boxes. But then Resource Vault could get you water and metal iron and and water buckets and stuff and cloth bags. The Energy Box, if you are a Power Grid fan, which I'm not, but it still had some interesting stuff in there. Uh, Gadget Guide, Adventure Atlas and Terra Tome and all that lot. These weren't as useful. This was kind of jumping the shark a bit. I mean, the Gadget one in particular has weird stuff like microchips and stuff. And it's like, I can't even remember the last time I ever used anything from that box. But the Terra Tome is not bad because... You've got uh, big chunky skulls, you've got books, magnifying glasses, meat cleavers, uh, which I don't use that often, uh, but giant hearts and giant brains. So I do use the Terra Tome for my Arkham Horror LCG plays. 
the skulls are doom markers the books are resources uh, although i could use the resource uh, crate for that as well magnifying glasses are clues uh, the brains of horror the hearts are health and i sometimes use the blood vials that they've got in there as uh, what you call it charges for assets so Terratome is actually pretty useful. I certainly recommend that one out of the trilogy, but you probably won't get much use out of the Adventure Atlas or the Gadget Guide. Although, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. If you're listening to this or watching it, put it in the comments below. Which of these boxes do you have? Which ones do you use a lot? And for what games? Particularly if it's the Adventure Atlas and the Gadget Guide. I'd be interested to know what exactly you're using these for and how they improve your game. So, yeah, let me know on that. But yeah, I really like these. I've got them all. But yeah, if I can pimp out resources for a game, I would typically like to do that because anything to replace cubes, you know, is a lot better. Or cardboard tokens. Okay, and then finally, uh, who's an example I'm going to use for this one? Probably Elf Creek Games. And that is Playmats. Oh man, do I like Playmats. I have got a wardrobe over there with hangers for playmats. Play mats, you know, in fact, you might have seen my photo on Instagram a while back where... I cleaned up that wardrobe because it was just full of empty boxes. Some of them are on the wall opposite this uh, room here. They're on the wall there, so nice decorative item. But the rest of them I recycled and, you know, it cleared the wardrobe so that I could put some, you know, actual playmats there on hangers. Now I'm trying to see if I can find the playmat that I have. Let's see. Uh, shop. Online shop. I'm trying to find it. Elf Creek Games do a really nice playmat for one of the ones so maybe i can find it with atlantis rising here we go oh yeah i love that play map 25 dollars. this play mat is gorgeous because essentially what you have is you know with atlantis rising you are trying to stop atlantis from sinking so you take off tiles from the map to represent it sinking now on a table that looks cool but it still looks a bit disjointed on your weird floral uh, tea set dining cover but on this playmat, you've got spaces for the uh, various components. You've got spaces for, like, resources and that. But then you've got this, like, archipelago-style island that looks like Atlantis has sunk. You put the tiles on that. And so as you reveal, as you take them off, it looks like the picture underneath makes it look like it's actually sunk. It's so good. It's so beautiful. And it looks even better in person. This photos won't even do it justice. But I love playmats. Playmats just improve the theme of games like so much and granted i much prefer a functional playmat than just a visual playmat this is one of the exceptions where the visualness of it won me over but typically i'm more interested in a playmat that has all the spaces i need on it like uh for example abyss i have the abyss playmat so let's see if i can find that one and that one is one that incorporates the expansions and that's something i like when it incorporates the expansions i like it more because it means that I can play all the content and I don't have to worry about extra sideboards and that. But let's see if I can get a full uh, picture there. Doesn't look like I can. Can I zoom in? Here we go. So this one, you can put the location boards on the right. You can put the tokens on the left. You can put the Leviathan ones next door to it. You've got the lords at the bottom. You've got the allies at the top. You've got this big fish face thing like all over the cover. You've got the council in the middle. And it just brings everything together nicely now i wish it didn't have a track for the monster token because let's face it if you've got this play mat you're playing it because you have the expansions you know the kraken and the leviathan one especially you're not playing this play mat just for the base game and once you get leviathan that monster track is not even a thing 
So I really wish they would have just simply not put that on the mat. It just seems like a waste of space, but it's a minor quibble. The rest of it, though, such a glorious looking mat. And it's functional. As I say, I like the functional ones. Uh, but I should also probably give a little shout out to someone a bit local, the uh, Lizard Dens. Uh, Lizard Den custom made play mats. I actually got given a few a while back and I used them. I think I did a video on some Lizard Den mats a while back. I can't recall. Uh, did I? I think I did. Maybe I did it as a podcast. I'm not sure. But basically, this is somebody local to me, based in the UK, and they make lots of custom game mats, particularly for roleplay, for like the adventure style games, LCGs, TCGs, and things like that. So as you can see here, Descent Legends of the Dark, he's already doing a play mat for Legends of the Dark. Um, uh, shall we talk? Maybe you could, uh, maybe we could uh, get this on some of my pictures for uh, my plays of Descent. But Lord of the Rings Journey to Middle-earth, you've got a play mat, you've got a Nemesis play mat. Ooh, Nemesis? Hmm, I might have to look at that one. I have to have a look at that one. Uh, but they got Wingspan for Oceana. They've got the giant one for Marvel's Champions LCG, which is a really good one. These are all functional maps, but they still look great. I mean, look at the artwork on some of these. Like the Everdale one there. That is such a beautiful artwork on there with this like glorious looking like backdrop. Oh man, does that look so pretty. I mean, yeah, you're just basically putting a tableau of cards on there, but... Oh, it does look pretty. Gotta admit, it looks pretty. But I'm more thinking about their... Oops, gone back too far. I'm more thinking about their LCGs mainly. Like, the LCGs are definitely things to consider here. I mean, Wingspan's got a pretty good one. I mean, he's got the Oceana-compatible one. He's got the base set Wingspan ones. And they've got some great pictures for the birds. But it's got all the iconography just like the player board. So if you've got this playmat, you would never use the player board again. But... You can get a smaller Marvel Champions one. There's various custom designs for the Arkham Horror LCG. You've got the Lord of the Rings card game. And like I say, it's quite handy to have a playmat for things like those. Because you've always got to have all the upgrade cards and that you play during your turn. Why would I want a neoprene chessboard mat? I'm not sure about that one. But, oh well, fair enough. But Seven Wonders Duel. You know, some of these you may think, well, it's just a tableau of cards. Why is it that big a deal? But... You'd be surprised how often it's handy to have stuff like that. I mean, that Marvel Champions LCG one is great to basically have all the upgrades, all the allies, all the uh, support separated, as well as your player card. Uh, Zeon's End, I can see that one being very useful. Mage Knight probably could be very useful as well. Nemesis, I am certainly looking at that one. Descent Legends of the Dark, maybe. I mean, it's got room for your injuries, reference cards, skills, your armor. It could work. It could work. I'd have to have a look at that one. I have no idea what this flesh and blood TCG is. It's just appearing out of nowhere and suddenly everybody keeps going on about it. And Resident Evil free board game. Is that even a thing? I don't know. But like I said, there's a few esoteric ones there. But as I say, love a good play map. Looks gorgeous. Feels nice to the touch. Dice are great when they roll on it. Oh, I, I do love a nice play map. Yeah, you can definitely get me interested in that when it's a Kickstarter add-on. Believe me. Like, uh, oh, the... Uh, Architects of the West Kingdom, the new Works and Wonder expansion. There's a playmat to introduce all the expansions on there, so I don't have to have that separate little cardboard board on top of the other board and all the side bits. It will all be on a playmat. Oh, I cannot wait for that. So bad. Right. Okay. Now, what don't I like? Not a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of things that I will not buy for pimping out my game. But one thing I'm not a big fan of is screen-printed meeples. I don't really care about having, like, 
patterns on my meeples. You know, that, that just, I just don't really care. It's not something that interests me. I don't find it that interesting, that, that pretty to look at. You get some weird designs. Everybody looks like they've put on weight. It, yeah, because it's obviously a fat meeple that you're trying to stretch this uh, design out to. But, and also they're, I mean, if they're screen printed, then fine. But a lot of the times they're stickers and I hate putting stickers on things. So, you know, Meeple Source do a lot of these and I know they're popular with a lot of people, but they're also ridiculously expensive. I mean, this is the one thing that I honestly just don't overly care. You know, I mean, you know, I'm more than happy just to have normal wooden Meeples. You know, I would much rather have a custom wooden Meeple than a basic wooden Meeple with a pattern on it. You know, I just find that the cost for these doesn't justify it because every time i see like the meeple source kickstarter come on i just think this is way too expensive for me and i get that they look good they're great quality and they will really pimp up your game and if you like these then go ahead but it's just too expensive for me i'd much rather get like play mats and metal coins and stuff like that so you know i don't really do a lot with the meeples is there any other upgrade i don't tend to do I won't always buy a miniature just for the sake of having a miniature. That's uh, normally a thing. Although saying that with Great Wall, I bought the miniatures rather than the Meeple version. But the cost difference was well, negligible, really. So it seemed better to have the miniatures. I don't think if there's anything else uh, in terms of that. I mean, I bought these crates, these giant crates up there. And I'm kind of regretting that now because, yes, they store a lot of stuff in the box. But then getting them off the shelf is a bit of a nightmare. So that's a bit of a regret. I don't really care about dice towers, <laughs> and I know like Don Vassal could have my head for that, but I just don't really need to have a dice tower to roll my dice in. I've got one up here because it's solid and it's made out of wood, and I think I got it from Ekerson or something like that. I think I got it as a gift or a raffle or something. I'm not sure, but you know, I honestly just don't care about having a tower to roll my dice. I'd rather roll it across the table and watch it go. You know, I don't like dropping it into a thing and just making it go whoopee. You know, it's like meh. You know, even the wingspan dice tower I'm not a huge fan of. So it's, as I say, not something I really care about. Anything else? Ooh, nope. Nah, I think that's it. Although, maybe there's some... Well, I wouldn't really call this pimping up my game. But it's certainly something I recommend you get. A small little thing, bit of stationery. Get yourself a laminator. Because I will very regularly print out score pads when the publisher, for some reason, won't do a score pad. Uh, rules for references, um, you know, uh, dividers for cards, uh, games like Marvel Champions and that. I print out uh, dividers. And laminators are definitely something you want to get. And you don't need an expensive laminator. You can get a really cheap one. I think I bought mine for like 12 quid. Yeah, really cheap laminator. So what have we got here? We got like £20 for a laminator here. £19, £31, uh, £20. Maybe the cost has gone up for these since I last bought one. I think, I think the cost has gone up for a lot of them, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but let's see. Um, best sellers. Let's have a look. So, 19, so £20, £19, £31, £21, £25, £30, £21, £25. Frankly, the difference between these laminators is negligible. You know, maybe some of them have got guides, which is a good thing to have. But mainly, all you need is something that can just do A4, like laminator sheets. And yes, the laminator sheets are an extra cost. But trust me, these are worth it. You know, they, you know, you can even get ones, I think, uh, combine with cutting blades, which would be quite a cool one. I wonder if there is such a thing, because that'd be very useful. Yeah, it does look a, uh, an A3 laminator with paper cutter and, f and for £45. Gotta admit, 
you know, I've got a separate cutter because obviously the dividers, you need to do that and it would be useful to have it on the same thing. But as I say, you don't need to spend loads on the laminator. Just get a laminator, get the pouches, do your rule references, do your dividers for card games, do your score sheets, get a dry erase pen and then you don't have to have a score pad in your game. You can just have one sheet and you rub it out. Honestly, this is one of the best stationary tools that you can get highly recommended if you want to make life easier for you with some games and then just go on board game geek and look at the forums and the file section and see what people have come up with and see what you like and then obviously laminate it obviously for print and play this is also useful as well like uh, recently i got the the whistle mountain uh solo mode uh whistle mountain solo mode that they officially done let's see if i can find it uh properly let's see if i can find it but basically um, they've now done a solo mode for Whistle Mountain, like the designer, and they basically you can now get it as a print and play. You can oh here we go yeah Whistle Mountain solo rules print and play. So here basically you can see it's got the rules, it's got the contents, basic setup, but then it has all the various cards that you need, and you obviously have to print it and cut them and stuff like that. But once you've laminated it and once you've spent the effort to do it. You now have a proper solo mode with laminated cards so it won't all like disintegrate in your hand or anything. And it works nicely. I mean, it's a pretty solid solo mode overall, but you know, it takes a bit of time and a bit of effort, but it could be one of your little Zen activities that you do when you're watching a TV show, when you want some time to yourself. You know, it's it does what it says and it's definitely worth giving a try. Oh, right. Uh, I think that'll do really. So and I think we'll wrap this episode up for there. So hopefully there were some interesting tips for you as to what you could do for pimping up your games. Or maybe you were just interested to know what I do to uh, pimp up my games. So definitely want to talk about what kind of things do you do to pimp up your games? What's your favorite thing you like to do? Where did you get it from? You know, let us know which uh, supplier that you use for your insert or metal coins or your muffin tins or your play mats, that kind of thing. You know, let us know in the comments. So that's it for me. I'm going to sign off for this one and get it edited and uploaded for today. So take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Again, thank you for watching the Top 100. It's been really great to see the comments and subscribers coming in. And don't worry, I've already recorded uh, 60 through to 51. I just need time to edit it now. So you're probably talking one a week, you know, one a week for the next six, seven weeks. So this will probably definitely go into October because otherwise I probably will go mad if I try to do it too more frequently than that but yeah one a week should be easy enough to do even while I'm at Essen I'll get one done in advance and release it but that should mean that by the end of October I would like to have the whole top 100 done and that should be more than doable if I get time to do two in a week I will but I'm not going to try and stress myself out one a week should be enough to keep you going shouldn't it we'll see on top of everything else I do so take care uh don't forget to um either consider subscribing or leave a like and a comment it means the world to me to know that you appreciate the content don't forget the channel is sponsored by zatu.co.uk with assistance from other publishers such as asmodee uk uh, as well and um uh, by all means if you want to check out more content on the channel well check out the top 100 basically go onto my channel look at top 100 and check out the whole like list currently from 100 to 61 is already released so take care see you later love you all and remember as always it's only a game bye for now